girl, his daughter. But then, before dinner, he had generally come to the conclusion that Mrs. Baggett would not approve. Mrs. Baggett was his housekeeper, and was to him certainly a person of importance. He had not even suggested the idea to Mrs. Baggett, and was sure that Mrs. Baggett would not approve. As to sending Mary Laurie out into the world as a governess, that plan, he was quite sure, would not answer. Two years ago had died his best beloved friend, Captain Patrick Laurie. With him we have not anything to do, except to say that of all men he was the most impecunious. Late in life he had married a second wife, a woman who was hard, sharp, and possessed of an annuity. The future condition of his only daughter had been a terrible grief to him. But from Mr. Whittlestaff he had received assurances which had somewhat comforted him. She shan't want. I can't say anything further. Such had been the comfort given by Mr. Whittlestaff. And since his friend's death, Mr. Whittlestaff had been liberal with presents, which Mary had taken most unwillingly under her stepmother's guidance. Such had been the state of things when Mr. Whittlestaff received the letter, when he had been walking up and down the long walk for an extra hour. Mr. Whittlestaff expressed aloud the conclusion to which he had come. I don't care one straw for Mrs. Baggett. It should be understood as having been uttered in direct opposition to the first assurance made by him that he'd be whipped if he'd have anything to do with her. In that hour he had resolved that Mary Laurie should come to him and be made, with all possible honours of ownership, with all its privileges and all its responsibilities, the mistress of his house. And he made up his mind also that such had ever been his determination. He was fifty, and Mary Laurie was twenty-five. I can do just what I please with her, he said to himself, as though she were my own girl. By this he meant to imply that he would not be expected to fall in love with her, and that it was quite out of the question that she should fall in love with him. Go and tell Mrs. Baggett that I'll be much obliged to her if she'll put on her bonnet and come out to me here. This he said to a gardener's boy, and the order was not at all an unusual one. When he wanted to learn what Mrs. Baggett intended to give him for dinner, he would send for the old housekeeper and take a walk with her for twenty minutes. Habit had made Mrs. Baggett quite accustomed to the proceeding, which upon the whole she enjoyed. She now appeared with a bonnet and a wadded cloak which her master had given her. "'It's about that letter, sir,' said Mrs. Baggett. How do you know? Didn't I see the handwriting and the black edges? Mrs. Laurie ain't no more. Mrs. Laurie has gone to her long account. I'm afraid, sir, she won't find it easy to settle a bill, said Mrs. Baggett, who had a sharp, cynical way of expressing her disapprobation. Mrs. Baggett, judge not, lest you be judged. Mrs. Baggett turned up her nose and snuffed the air. The woman is gone, and nothing shall be said against her here. The girl remains. Now, I'll tell you what I mean to do. She isn't to come here, Mr. Weddlestaff. Here she is to come, and here she is to remain. And here she is to have her part of everything as though she were my own daughter. And, as not the smallest portion of the good things that is to come to her, she is to have her share in your heart, Mrs. Baggett. I don't know nothing about my heart, Mr. Whittlestaff. Them as finds their way to my heart has to work their way there. Who's Miss Laurie that I'm to be knocked about for a newcomer? She's just Mary Laurie. I'm that old that I don't feel like having a young missus put over me, 
and it ain't for your good, Mr. Whittlestaff. You ain't a young man, nor you ain't an old un, and she ain't no relations to you. That's the worst part of it. Sure as my name is Dorothy Baggett, you'll be falling in love with her. Then Mrs. Baggett, with the sense of the audacity of what she had said, looked him full in the face, and violently shook her head. Now go in, he said, and pack my things up for three nights. I'm going to Norwich, and I shan't want any dinner. Tell John I shall want the cart, and he must be ready to go with me to the station at 2.15. I ought to be ready to cut the tongue out of my head, said Mrs. Baggett as she returned to the house, for I might have known it was the way to make him start at once. Not in three days, but before the end of the week, Mr. Whittlestaff returned home, bringing with him a dark-featured, tall girl, clothed, of course, in deepest mourning from head to foot. To Mrs. Baggett, she was an object of intense interest.